Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Cassie. And we are the, the Thrifty, Thrifty Couple. Couple from the thriftycouple.com. And we are the authors of the new book, The 2% Rule to Get Debt-Free Fast and The Company Workbook. And you can find The 2% Rule to Get Debt-Free Fast on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. And you can find the workbook on Amazon.com as well as on our website at thethriftycouple.com. Okay. Well, I am just... You know, I am just so excited because it's yet another time that we can get together. I know. And we can have another discussion with one another and just really talk through some different issues that people are asking us about. And, yeah. um, you know, just walk through everything. But I've, I, I want to tell you just how excited we are just to see all the feedback we've been getting from our new podcast. Yes, it's super exciting. We love getting the comments and the reviews and, and also hearing questions that you guys have that you want us to talk about on um, the podcast episodes. And that, that's part of the motivation for today's podcast episode. Um, and so it's a pretty important topic. And that is that of the emergency fund. That's right. In fact, what I wanted to do was I wanted to mention something real fast. Um, something that we've added this week and... Um, if you go out to our podcast episode show notes uh, for this week, it's going to be the thriftycouple.com slash 006. And what we're really excited about is we've actually started a new newsletter. And what we're doing is if you are listening to this and want to be notified as soon as a new episode drops, just go over, sign up for the newsletter, and it will send off an email and let you know we have a new episode. And what's Yay. great about that is we're actually giving a free gift for everyone that signs up. They're going to get an electronic copy of how to, well, you tell me what the title is. How to build your emergency fund fast. That's right. How yes. to build like one in 30 days fast. That's right. How to build your emergency fund uh, I think $1,000. $1,000, but we're going to talk about, we put $1,000 in the book just as a general rule, but we're going to actually talk about today how to determine how much you need because we come from a little bit different perspective that $1,000 is not the blanket answer for every um, emergency fund. Um, but we put $1,000 in the book because that's kind of what you think about when you think about an emergency fund and it's a good starting point. So if you need less, then you'll even be able to get there quicker. Mm -hmm. If you need a little more, then those tips will help you get there just to, just as fast as you can. So, so again, uh, I'd encourage you to go out to either the show notes here, the thriftycouple.com slash 006, or you can also go out to the thriftycouple.com slash podcast, which where we have an introduction about ourselves and the podcast, what it's all about, a link to all the different shows, as well as a place where you can actually sign up for that newsletter as well. Sweet. All right. So yeah, so I love this. And like you said, this is our sixth episode. And I love what somebody, a comment that somebody had made last time. And that was that it's a podcast date. Ooh, that's right. <laughs> so we get to come down into our recording studio and sip our tea and that's just right. have a conversation and let you in on our conversation. And that's what we love doing and, and talking um, to you about the thoughts that are on our mind. And so let's just go ahead and start diving in. So let's jump into it. So this week, we're going to talk about everything behind an emergency fund. Yes. Now I have to ask a question, Cass. This seems like a really boring topic. <laughs> well, most people don't want to talk about it. It is kind of boring. But I, I think that beyond just being boring, people don't want to talk about it too, because they hope that they never have to use one. Um, and so, and they don't want to have to put the effort into building an emergency fund. I mean, if you had a, a 
stash of cash, you'd probably rather use it for a lot of things, something fun, a new television, or even something responsible like paying off debt. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, we have to talk about the emergency fund because it's, it's pretty much another level of insurance. That's kind of how I like to view an emergency fund. It's financial insurance in some sense, right? Well, let me ask another question to you. So I know there's a lot of popular authors out there that uh, say, here's exactly how much you should set aside. And we also have a lot of people that a lot of times defer to that popular author on Mm -hmm. the amount that you need. I think you're going to have, we're going to have a slightly different answer than that. Is that correct? Yeah. And we are, we're actually going to suggest a different amount and we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. And the reason why is because we all have different financial situations. We all have different levels of emergencies. We all have um, different amounts of income. And so, for example, you know, the blanket idea is everyone should have a $1,000 emergency fund. Um, that's easy for somebody making $100,000 or easier rather. It's very difficult for somebody making $35,000. And so in some sense, you feel defeated financially before you even get out of the gate and paying off your debt and and trying to meet your financial goals. If that one task that's supposed to be simple and help help you financially, be your financial insurance, if you can't seem to get over that hurdle, either practically or even on an emotional level, if you just can't get past the fact that you have to get $1,000 in a bank account just sitting there. I mean, that's a very overwhelming thought for a lot of people. It is. Yes. Well, before we even get to the amount, let's define what what an emergency fund even it is. Yeah. You want to help us out with that? Yeah, that's a good idea. So, you know, even as we talk about in our book, an emergency fund is not an emergency fund. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not for those, like, I just need a weekend trip emergency. But or... that is an emergency, isn't it? <laughs> you know, just kidding. I'm sure some people, especially if you're a parent or you have a really stressful job, it feels like that, right? Yes. But um, it's not the fun fund. It's not, you know, for those really amazing cells that you can't pass up. It's not for that super amazing deal on that gaming console. Um, it's not it's, for Black Friday. It's not for Black Friday. That's the Christmas fund. Go back mm-hmm. and listen to the Christmas okay. episode. That's right. <laughs> um, it is a literal emergency fund. And so those types of emergencies, we're going to talk about in detail what, what kinds of emergencies that could be. But it is to be put in a separate bank account. And we recommend a separate bank account. And it is to be left alone. And it's only to be accessed if you have one of these uh, emergencies that we're going to talk about, you know, some examples of those. Obviously, we can't name every emergency that's out there that happens, but some general guidelines. And you need to basically forget about it. You need to forget that it exists until you need that financial insurance. Okay. So we talked about it as an emergency. So we've said that it needs to be in a separate account. Let's talk about that a little bit more. So really, an emergency fund should be something that you don't have easy access to. Right. Um, No, for us, we've chosen our emergency fund. Uh, We have a separate account in our bank. Mm -hmm. And we we know that that's not going to be the best case for some people. Um, We actually set up a lot of different bank accounts for ourselves. Um, We have each for, for our kids. We have different savings plans that we have as well, as well as that emergency fund. Yeah. But... We, import- we actually have a, um, a post on our site about why we have 12 different bank accounts. So go check that out. <laughs> exactly. So we'll share that in the show notes as well. Okay. But 
for a lot of people, that still may be too close because if you have that in a separate, you know, account, all of at a sudden the same bank. at the same bank, yeah. how easy is that to transfer? Sure, sure. So let's talk about and brainstorm a few different ideas about what a family can do to make sure that they don't just have easy access to that emergency fund, <laughs> as you mentioned. <laughs> yes. So, well, go ahead and share some ideas. What do you think? Well, I think you kind of hinted towards something just a second ago. Um, you know, having it in a different bank can also, having an account in a separate bank can be a huge, huge plus. Yeah. Um, you know, because all of a sudden, you you can't just transfer an amount over to a, to your primary checking account or savings account or whatever else. Sure. But you actually have to take physical steps to go over and withdraw that money. Yeah. And- and I think that's extremely important is having it in a place where you have to do something additional and it's not just a, a default, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think that could be a good idea. Some people have chosen that they want to be able to just take $1,000 out and put it into an envelope and put it into a secure location in their home. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a we have a place where we put all our social security numbers, our birth certificates and everything else. And so you could put your emergency fund right into there. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that could be another option for families. I, I actually think that one of the best options um, is in like a high yield savings account. Well, I was just getting ready to say. Yeah. So what I'm going to suggest or another idea is, you know, a lot of families can open up a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. Now, IRA stands for an individual retirement account. And you say, well, why would you be putting your emergency fund in an IRA? We're not talking about retirement here. Well, the great thing about a Roth IRA that we mentioned this in our book is you can use it. Um, hopefully, of course, the best optimal thing is to be able to maximize and put as, you know, max it out for your retirement. But there's a lot of families that are working on paying off their debt. Uh, there are different situations. And so they may be looking at that and have that as an option to be able to use it for different savings. Uh, yeah. You may be uh, whether it be an emergency fund, maybe you're trying to save up in a monthly amount every month that you're putting away for a new car in the next two or three years. Um, what that does is that gives you an ability to be able to have a higher yield in the savings. Now, yeah. why the IRA? Let's go back to this on the Roth IRA. The great thing about it is you can put money into it and then you can take it out the amount that you put in at any time, the contribution amount. Now, the amount that you earned, you can't take out. Yeah, but you, it's just an additional benefit. It's, it's just an it's additional benefit. Making yeah. that amount of money work for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, in the Roth IRA, there's so many different options as far as which yield you want to put it into, whether you want a higher risk, lower risk, or whatever else. Yeah. But it's so much better than a bank account that has 0.0001% <laughs> APR yes, interest, yes. right? Yes. And there are options for higher yield savings account. I know that Ally Bank has a has a good one that's generally over 1% or it has been for quite a while. We also saw that American Express now has a high yield savings account. It's not connected to a credit card. They, they're just moving into another financial um, industry or financial niche, if you will, and uh, providing these high yield savings accounts. So that's also another option as well, um, because you never know how long that money is going to be sitting there. I mean, if you're working on paying off debt, you know, theoretically, it's going to take you one, two, three, four years to pay off your debt. And so in that amount of time, you may have hardly any emergencies happen. And so you might as well have that money be doing something. That's right. But I mean, even if you do have that emergency, the idea is you withdraw what you need for the emergency. And Mm -hmm. in most cases, it won't be the full amount. 
and then you just quickly replenish it back up with the tips that we're going to share later in this podcast so that you always have that money working for you. And, that's exactly right. Um, and just do something smart with it. Now, yeah. one one thing that's important to note is this. If you are going to put it into a Roth IRA, into a separate bank account, or that high savings account, that you high yield savings account you were just mentioning. Yeah. Make sure you understand how long it's going to take the money to get the money out. Yes, yes, now, that's some, what I was going to say too. It may take three or four days if you have that Roth IRA yeah. to be able to get that you know you know back in your account or accessible to you to be able to use for that emergency. Sure, so, sure. Which is good because that means that it's. It's only going to be something you take and, out and if you need it. Well, we're going to talk about the types of emergencies, but in, in all honesty, most emergencies, it's not like you need to pull the money out in 10 minutes. Right. Um, you know, you generally have a little bit of a few, a few minutes. I mean, I can't hardly think of any sort of emergencies in which you have to have cash in hand immediately. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so, but that is a very good thing to think about and to consider um, in terms of your emergency fund is... You know, you don't want easy access to it, but you also don't want it to be really impossible to get the money out when you need it. Okay. So we've set up the idea that you need to be able to have a barrier or have it separate enough that it's going to be hard to get to, right? Or it's not going to be something very simple to get to. Yes. So let's talk about what qualifies as an emergency. Yes. So so as, as I think we all have a base idea that, as you said, going on a trip for this upcoming weekend <laughs> is not going to qualify as an emergency. Is no. that correct? Yes. I Trips, um, you know, obviously if there's something like a funeral or something like that, there's always exceptions, mm, but they no. really, really need to be in your mind, like extreme exceptions, not the rule. Um, but, you know, things that are a good deal, of course, those are not going to be an emergency. You know, the good deals come and go all of the time. You need to reserve this for if your car breaks down, if your washer and dryer breaks down, if your heating source breaks down, if your water, you know, heater breaks down, nobody wants to take a cold shower. I mean, that's not, it's not reasonable. Um, you need to think about things that basically, um, apply to your living, and we say car because you can maybe say, oh, you can live without a car, which that could be the case for a lot of people. And you could find alternatives like public transportation. But we all know that most of us need a car to get to work. So that is essential to living. So anything that is necessary for living will be an emergency. Um, and so, and you know, most of those things, they happen. You can't avoid them. There's even medical emergencies. And we're going to talk about medical emergencies in a minute because it's a little bit different Mm. uh, in terms of should you use an emergency fund on a medical emergency or not. But, you know, we have those kinds of things that happen all the time. And we actually have a checklist of things that help you determine what kind of potential emergencies to plan for. And we'll go through that in just a minute. So I think now that we've kind of maybe given a few examples of what some emergencies are, that maybe it's time and important to talk about how much you need. And then we can dive into that a little deeper. Well, you had mentioned the medical emergencies. And Mm -hmm. I think that that can come down to a very subjective thing. And, you know, we we said, you know, is a medical um, expense an emergency that you have to pull from your emergency fund? So maybe we can break that down just, to, just for a minute. Okay? Sure, sure. So, you know, we were talking about this right before the podcast, mm-hmm. and we were trying to brainstorm and come up, can we have a rule that says, this is the exact case that you, this would qualify as an emergency and this is when it wouldn't, yeah, right? Yeah, So if you have a bill and you just found out that uh, um, 
it's actually getting ready to go to collections mm-hmm. and it says you have to get this balance paid. How would you work through that? Is that full balance? Is that an emergency f- fundable expense? Sure. Yeah. And we've, we've had our, our plenty share of medical expenses. And um, even in the heart of our 108K of debt, when we couldn't even pay our bills, let alone these emergency medical situations that happened, the bills that are piling in, how are we going to pay them too? Mm-hmm. Um, and in our experience um, over the years, in most situations, you will be able to negotiate a payment plan. And as long as you, I mean, even $15, $20 a month, as long as you are paying on that medical plan, they can't pursue you any further in terms of collections and those kinds of things. But there are some circumstances in which they do and they can. Um, it's it's semi-rare, but that's when we were talking about, is that an appropriate time to use an emergency fund? Because it's kind of more like a bill. You know, it's not like where your car breaks down and you need to pay the mechanic to fix your car so your car can be up and running the next day or whatever. Right. So I, I think that it really comes down to a case-by-case analysis. Yeah. I think that the majority of the time... You know, as you said, and we we spoke about medical debt in the last episode. Uh, you can see a lot of the tips that we shared in the thriftycouple.com slash 005. It was actually... I it think was actually it was, part of the 2% tip, right? Okay. No, it was actually, I think, the one we're talking about um, why people get in debt. Oh, that's right. So yes, 003, okay. episode okay. 003. That's right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but no, we did discuss medical debt. And uh, I think that, you know, as you said, there's so often you can call up as long as you can say, hey, here's how much I can pay per month. Yeah. You know, you don't have to pay the balance in full. Uh, all of a sudden that, that you don't have to pay that full balance right. immediately, right? Basically, at the end of the day, do whatever you can to make payments on it mm-hmm. and do not put it on a credit card. Exactly. And if there becomes a desperate, absolutely desperate point in which the medical debt collector will not work with you anymore and they are demanding payment, then that could be a case in which it will justify an emergency. So as you see... Because putting it on credit would be dumb. (laughs) Exactly. So I think another point here is... It's the idea of working through it, yeah. trying to don't, understand don't make it the first option. Everything, you know, as far as whether it be medical debt, whether it be anything that you're looking at, as the, is this a, a, an expense that qualifies as an emergency? Yeah. Everything you can do before going to your emergency fund would yes, be with the know, medical the f- debt. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Because there's a lot of steps you can take before having to use it. But if it comes down to putting this on a credit card or using my emergency fund, then I think that might be a case in which your emergency fund would be more appropriate. And then you would just work through the steps quickly to build it back up again. Steps that we talk about in our book, steps we talk about on our website and in our workbook to build that back up again, because you don't want to put it on credit. Okay. So let's talk about how much does a family need for an yes, emergency fund? So How much do you think um, you need for an emergency fund? And the blanket answer that we always get when somebody asks us this question and we ask the question back. Well, let me put it this way. The answer is always the same. Yes. Are you ready for this? Yes. It depends. It depends. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say what everybody else tells me. Everybody else says, oh, $1,000. Everybody needs a $1,000 emergency fund. That's that's what I was trying to say. No. We say... That's right. It depends. Exactly. Because um, like I like we said at the beginning of the podcast, you, there isn't a blanket amount that's going to work for every family. And so if you know anything about us, um, our finances are 2% rule. You know that we work 
in what we called percentage-based finances. Mm -hmm. And so the emergency fund is no different. So we actually advise people and tell people that we think your emergency fund should be from anywhere from 1% to 2% of your gross income. And so let's kind of break this down for a minute. You say, well, why 1% to 2%? We'll get to that in a second. But the reason why is because it's an achievable amount and we find that in talking to people about their finances and their financial situation, that very often their emergencies um, are equate to their income, exactly. if that makes sense. Yep, yep. And so if you are making you know, $100,000 a year gross income, then yeah, $1,000 is going to be a decent amount. It's going to be reasonable for most circumstances. Yeah, yeah. If you're making less than that, it's it could be too much you know, to, you don't need that much at the get-go when you're trying to pay off your debt. Because the goal here is just to fill up your emergency fund to help be your financial insurance until you can pay off your debt. The goal here is not that this is your permanent emergency fund or your permanent savings account. This is just your emergency fund during the times that you're getting out of debt. You know, that's a really great point because we share in our book as well that there's, you know, we look at the emergency fund in at least two different ways. Yeah. There's the amount that you set up before you start paying down your debt and that's during the whole debt payoff plan. And then afterwards, there's going to be a step where you set up a three to six month amount right. of, you know, here's what your expenses are for those three to six months, just in case maybe you have a job loss or something like that, right? Yeah. And just to have money in the bank, um, because we're not, we're going to tell you that money beyond that three to six months should be in investments and other exactly. places, those kinds of things. But yeah, this is your emergency fund to get you by until you get out of debt. And okay. so the reason why we say one to 2% is because we have found... 1% to 2% of your gross income is we found that that is a very reasonable amount that will meet the needs of most people in their situation. So if you make $35,000 a year, 1% would be 350, right? Mm -hmm. 2% would be 700 and so on and so forth. Um, and so that gives you an idea of how much you need to make it a little bit more reasonable for you in your situation. And so we actually have a checklist in our workbook that goes through and asks you a few questions to help you determine, should I save 1% or should I save 2% or somewhere 1.5% or whatever? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so these are some of the questions. Maybe you want to go back and forth? Sure, let's do it. Okay. So the first question that you need to ask yourself is, do you have any appliances greater than 10 years old? So actually, before we even go through the questions, so yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to have a list of six, seven questions. Okay. And we're going to say, keep score. Keep score, so It's going to yes. be yes or no. Yes. And then at the very end, you're going to find out how many of these questions did I answer yes to? Yes. Because that's going to be important to helping to determine that 1% to 2% amount, right? Yes. Yes. So okay. let's go ahead. So can so you repeat you that any, first question? Yeah. You, so do you have any major appliances that are greater than 10 years old? We're talking dishwasher, stove, refrigerator, washer, dryer, water softener, you know, water heater, mm -hmm. uh, those kinds of things. Any major appliances over 10 years old? All right. The second question, do you have a vehicle with more than 100,000 miles? And another follow-up question to that, I guess, would be, you know, how is that vehicle responding? You know, maybe it's a really great vehicle that's right at 110,000 miles. It's a Honda or something like that that's going to be yeah. going for another, who knows, another 100,000 miles. I know, but miles. you can't, I, I think really 100,000 is a good, despite whatever kind of car or vehicle it is, because I mean, I don't care if it's a Honda or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 100,000 miles is a lot and you're, you know, I think you have some pretty good amounts of risk. It's hard to tell if a vehicle is going to, you know, go kaput or have a problem. Okay. You know, so that's just my thoughts. I know. So. <laughs> 
Okay, so, so I'm drawing a line there. As you're, as you're throwing it out there. Okay, so that's the second question. Go ahead. Okay. And the next question, number three. Do you have more than four people in your household? Right. So hopefully that one's a pretty easy yes or no question, right? <laughs> All right. The fourth one. Do you have a home insurance deductible greater than or equal to $1,000? So this is a great time. If you don't know where your deductible is, find go out. find out because yes. that's going to be extremely important, right? Yes. All right. Next question is, is your home over 20 years old? All right. The next one, over the past year, have you had more than one emergency expense? That's a really good one because that's going to help you understand how many should we be expecting per year, yes. right? Yes. I mean, there's usually a pretty consistent number there each year, um, at least from what we in our own personal lives and in the lives of, of others that we've spoken with. Okay. And then the last question is, do you have aging pets? Do you have aging pets? So those are the seven questions that we put before people to say, should you save 1% or 2%? We recommend everybody save at least 1%. So just as Alex said at the beginning of this uh, little segment here um, of these seven questions, if you have answered yes to two or more of these questions, it is probably a good idea to plan to set aside 2% of your gross annual income in a separate emergency fund. You know, I, I say this not because we've come up with this, but because I really think it makes a lot of sense. I just love this because so often that whole one fit answer, you know, one size fits all answer is just, it can be overwhelming to families. Yes. And you know, it doesn't fit. As you said, there's going to be people, you know, families with different incomes, mm -hmm. you know, all the way from 35,000 less, maybe all the way up to six figures or whatever else. Yeah, I mean, if you are, if you are a newly married couple and you have one vehicle that's relatively new, you, and you rent, you know, a thousand dollars is going to be a, a pretty excessive, an emergency fund in your situation when that money could be used to be meeting your financial goals sooner. But then on the flip side, if you live in an older home and you have four kids and you're a family of six and you have, you know, two vehicles with one of them being over a hundred thousand miles, your chances of having emergencies are much greater than that newlywed couple living in a, in, in a rental. Um, and so, you know, we just try to help people do what's reasonable and figure out what's reasonable so that they can move forward with their financial goals as, as quickly and reasonably as possible. Okay, sounds good. So let's go ahead and quickly move on to the next section. Um, okay. You know, so we don't have a lot of time left no, on the don't. emergency fund. Um, but what we wanted to talk about is maybe some different ideas to help families to be able to fund that. So, well, let me ask this first question. Do you, do you think that people should take a long time and slowly build that up 2% at a time? Yeah, so this is like the point which we kind of joke that we contradict ourselves. Yes. Because we take baby steps and we take these small steps to reach our financial goals, like our 2% rule that ultimately adds up to some big changes. However, this is one exception to the rule. This is one time period in which we say, do that sacrifice and slash all method to build your emergency fund quick. And we ourselves, even in our dire financial situation, along with many other people that we have um, worked with, 
they have been able to build their emergency fund very quickly. The problem is, like, you think, oh, I can continue doing this to pay off my debts quickly. But the problem is, is it's not sustainable. Exactly. It's doable for a month. It's doable for six weeks. It's doable for three weeks. It's not doable to pay off your debt in long term. Remember, the so. full debt payoff plan is to try to get your family to a point where you have a sustainable budget. Right. It's not just but, simply paying off your debt. It's a lifestyle, a gradual lifestyle change. But we also have a great reality as well that... We need to get you to that point where you're starting to pay off your debt. If you are building up that emergency fund and it takes you six to nine months, it's so painful. You'll never think that you'll ever get to the point where you even start paying off your debt. Right. So yeah. So this is the one time we say don't use the 2% rule to build your emergency fund. (laughs) This is the, you know, show stopping, do whatever you can to get that money in the bank. You know, sit down right now, figure out, is it 1%? Is it 2%? And make that plan to get it done. We try to tell people, try to get it done in 30 days. So you've heard it here. We contradict ourselves, but we hope you see why, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. So get that emergency fund, do it fast, set it aside. All right, so we've talked about lots of different ideas and we have a ton of ideas in our site and on our, uh, in our book. But let's give some people some ideas right now about what they could do to build their emergency fund quick. One of my favorites that has been super successful for a lot of people is a penniless week. Mm. I know we've talked about this in other podcasts. We love the penniless week because it is that time period in which you literally act as if you do not have a penny. Well, here's the problem. So everyone always says this, and I think that until we explain what it is and what you do, people are going to be thinking this themselves. If I have a penniless week, you know, from maybe a Sunday to Sunday, then that means I'm going to go out and buy a lot more on Saturday, and then I need to go buy a lot more on the following Monday, and I would have just spent the exact same amount as I would right. have that whole week, right? right? And we actually have the rules laid out on our website. If you go to our website, thethriftycouple.com slash challenges, you will find the penniless week challenge and it lays out the rules. So like the goal here is that you stick with your normal budget week to week. Then you have a penniless week and it means you literally spend nothing. And it's really hard to do, honestly, um, especially in our day and age when we you know can grab you know an iced tea for a dollar at McDonald's or whatever. I mean, you have to stop doing that for a whole week. And um, you think, well, how can this really be that impactful? But it's really amazing because we people that have done this with us, and we do it with our readers a lot, we'll have a, a challenge week and we'll all do it together. They will end the week with two, three, four, five hundred extra dollars that they didn't think that there was any way they would have. And it's just because we it's so easy to engage in little tiny mindless spending. Um, and it and it's really easy to do, but if you on the flip side If you completely avoid it and are super strict about it and say, we can do this for a week, we can sacrifice for a week, it's amazing the amount of money that you can come up with. Well, what's what's great is too, is you use so much from your pantry that you never would have thought that you would have ever used, right? Right. Yeah. So one of the goals, one of the main things is food, right? The groceries. And so what's really cool is it actually becomes an opportunity for you to clean out your freezers and your pantry and your fridge, you know, because we, we are a wasteful people. I mean, as just as on average, we throw away a lot of food. Like Americans throw, I can't remember the exact statistic. I wrote an article about it a couple of years ago, but um, we waste a lot of food and throw away vegetables. So this 
forces you to get super creative and use Google to make some really amazing recipes and come up with things. Eat, eat the things that are in your house. And yeah, you're going to have some strange things. But in the process, you're going to save money and you're going to um, get your fridge, pantry and freezers cleaned out. And then in addition, the only thing that we say, you know, that you can spend on are like the emergencies, obviously. Right. You need um, to get to work. And the gas That's right. to get to work. Um, you and but don't do any other things. Don't, you know, don't go driving around and wasting gas. Try to do everything that you can to literally not spend a penny. Exactly. So okay. I know we want to go through a lot more ideas, but yes. I don't think that this is. I think we we're running out of time, yes. and we need to move into our two percent tip. Okay. But again, this is another reminder that we have. You know how to build a thousand dollars in your emergency fund. Yes. Um, in just thirty days. You know, go over to this episode, thethriftycouple.com slash 006. Sign up to receive notifications whenever our podcast episodes are released. Okay. And you'll receive that as a free gift and it'll be delivered right to your inbox. Yeah. And that'll yeah. give you a lot of the ideas that you can go through and be able to build up your emergency fund fast. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's one idea. And there's a lot more that we have on our site. So be sure to check this out because we've written about this topic a lot. And we'll post we'll post some more ideas as well in our show notes too. Yes. So, yes. I know we're okay. running out of time. So. Okay. In fact, I think just recently we mentioned uh, we actually have that article on uh, why you should use 1% to 2% uh, okay. for your emergency fund. And you have some ideas in there too as well. Cool. So I'll put that in the show notes too. Awesome. Okay. So now we need to move on to our, what, uh, I almost said 1% tip. Whoops. <laughs> now we need to move on to our 2% tip. All right. The 2% tip is where we go through and discuss an idea, a specific actionable tip that you can use to be able to help you shrink your budget by 2% or help you increase your income by 2%. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about what what are we going to talk about today? Well, this one's going to be slightly unconventional. It's kind of like a two percent increase increase in the uh, in the roundabout backwards way. Okay. Um, but that is during this process of you know finding ways of increasing your income, making extra money, maybe even starting a little side hobby business or a bigger business or whatever. Um, you know, you have taxes, mm, right? Yes. And you have to pay those taxes. But one of the benefits of having your own benefit business and running your own side gig is you also get a lot of great tax deductions. But you get those tax deductions when you are keeping good records. Yes. And so we thought this would be important early on in our uh, podcast episodes to mention um, because at the end of the year, you know, you want to be able to get as much deductions and to, as you can. So, so when you're preparing your taxes, um, you know, we mentioned that we really love using and we use ourselves TurboTax uh, just as a great tool because it helps you walk right through and you don't have to have 45 million forms right in front of you. But very generally, if you if you haven't done this before, uh, generally your Schedule C is where you keep track of all your expenses for your business and it lets you be able to keep track of your mileage, expenses, marketing, advertising, anything that is specifically directly related to starting and even running your business. Yes. And that is a huge benefit whenever you're running your own business because you can make, you can, you can deduct so much. Yes. And so that really and, helps. And so I think the biggest thing is to keep track of, obviously, there's a lot. Oh, and I was going to say, so the IRS, it actually requires you, say if you go out and make a purchase, you're going to buy a poster board because you're going to put up signs in your local neighborhood. Well, you can't. It's you can't just say, "Hey, I have this." Uh, you know, I know that I spent this much money, but you need to be able to prove it. Yes. So you need to have receipts, yes. and you need to have you know your for your mileage. You need to know how much did you drive, what dates, 
and these kinds of things like a mileage journal to be able to keep track, right? Yeah. So there's a couple of ways that we found to do this. Um, Just this year, actually, in 2017, I started using an app um, in the beginning of the year called Mile IQ, and Mm. it's a free app, and it tracks all of my times that I'm out driving, and then if it's anything related to business, I can quickly say, well, I just quickly look at my driving log, and all I have to do in just a few seconds is say, yes, this was business, no, this wasn't business. So I go, yes, no, yes, no, or whatever, and it quickly separates them from personal to business. So it tracks my mileage that way, which is great. Um, I, we've also seen uh, apps and different things that help you take pictures of receipts and keep track of your receipts. Um, I'm doing well with using the app for the mileage thing, but the receipt thing, that's just too much for me right now to take pictures of it. Well, quite honestly, we have an, a way that we organize. Well, quite honestly, it comes down to personality type, right? Yeah, it does. It you're you're going to have some people that are going to want to go through and have everything so perfectly you know, organized that when they get to the end of the year, it's all laid out. You have yeah. everything entered into your system already. Maybe you're using another program to track all those expenses and everything else. And you can have others that maybe do what we do is, yeah. you know, you take your gallon size bag, you three hole punch it and you have different bags. You have maybe one that's for your advertising, one that's for your marketing, one for different categories, right? It's the same, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The same category, but yes. Okay. And you put, and you put, that's right. And then you put those receipts in there and now you have them all together. Yeah. So we, yeah, that's exactly what we do. We take the gallon size bag, three hole punch them, put them all in a notebook, and then we can immediately put those receipts into the right bag. Because like, I know people that tape them down, like that's just too much for me. When I walk in the door from somewhere, I have to just (laughs) shove that receipt somewhere and that works well for us. I tried really really hard the first couple of years of our business to do that, didn't I? Uh, you did. And you really enjoyed that, didn't you? We had some <laughs> yes. great discussions around I, that. I have to make things as easy as possible because it, life is crazy. That's right. So, anyway. Well, what's, that's great about so find marriage. a system to keep track of your expenses so you can get the maximum deductions that you can. That's right. So you may have one person in the, in the family that says, hey, I want to take this and I want to run with this. Another person that says, Go for it. And so it's really just finding the system that works for you. But the thing that you need to do is make sure you have those receipts. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to come to the end of the year and realize you didn't keep track and you've lost the ability to make those deductions because that that can be a lot of money lost. That can be a whole lot of money lost, especially. So, yes. All right. Well, very good. Well, I think we've come to the end of our episode. Again, we're trying to keep these to about 30 minutes or over just by a little bit. And so I think we've almost done that today. Yeah, we're over. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. We're we're trying though. Yes. All right. So, well, we just want to say thank you guys so very much. As always, we want to remind you that if... This episode, another episode, if you've been blessed, if you have appreciated anything that you've heard here, we would love it if you go out to iTunes and leave a comment and share just how much you really enjoyed it. You know, we really appreciate that because our goal is to try to get this podcast in front of as many people as we can to be able to help them and spread that message of hope. Right, yes, hope and encouragement, and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There really is a light. No matter at the end how of the dim you might think it is, that's there right. Really is. And we know because we've been there. Yes. So that's yes. right. All right, everyone. Well, thank you guys so very much. And until next week, we'll talk to you later. All right. right bye bye.